Thanks, guys. I really like that, that theme of the shepherds running to Bethlehem. And it corresponds a lot with the stuff that we've been talking about for the last several weeks when we look at the different characters that are involved in that story. And I just have that, that vision of shepherds pulling up their, their thing and running, and you see spindly legs just racing through the, uh, the, the night uh, countryside. Uh, so it's hard to know really what that vision was like, but uh, it's good to kind of try to recapture that. Uh, as I said before, I had some uh, computer issue, and, uh, and so I've been up since 4 o'clock this morning just trying to get everything together, and I thought, I, I don't even have the ability to print my sermon this morning uh, in case I need to go over the notes, and I thought, well, I'm just going to have to bring my machine up here and, and try to make the best of it, um, so pardon me for doing it a little bit differently. Uh, and I, I guess uh, the, the funny thing is, I, you know, I love Christmas uh, so much, and I don't know about you guys, but there's so much to take in as far as the opportunities to uh, do things that are social, uh, events to participate in, and uh, just the whole cross-section of activities associated with uh, this um, fantastic season. Uh, but at the same time, I get a little bit tired, and I can even get a little bit depressed. Uh, any of you feel that range of emotions where whatever feelings you're having, they seem to be on steroids? It's almost like you feel bipolar sometimes uh, because the highs are high and, and the lows are low. And as uh, we just take that mixture of everything that goes to make up this moment and we try to do everything that we can to seize the opportunity, uh, sometimes we just catch ourselves coming and going. Um, and this whole snafu that I've had, uh, basically it happened at a time that was probably the worst possible time <laughs> for it to happen, uh, when there is absolutely no margin available whatsoever uh, for anything else. And it's kind of funny, in, in, in light of all of that, God is saying, why are you doing what you're doing? And you have to step back and you've got to say, yeah, why did you send your son into the world again? And that's really what I want to explore with you guys today uh, for just a little bit on how we can uh, see maybe more clearly the reason for the season as we focus our, our, our glasses a little bit. And I want to start with a declaration that John made in the very first chapter, the opening chapter of the, of the New Testament uh, Gospel of John. And as uh, John says these words, um, uh, they, they underscore the reality of what's in front of us. He said, The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father. Full of grace and truth. Now all of those words have been carefully selected. They were written. Um, a lot of people say uh, maybe even up to 50 years after the fact. 
after Jesus had already came and accomplished what he had set out to do. And as John has had time to percolate on that and really give a, a, a lot of consideration to what it means, he carefully chose words so that they would encompass uh, the substance of what was in front of him uh, a long time prior so that those who didn't have the chance to see him like he did could see him through the words that he provided. And I want to just look at some of the experiences that uh, are in the words that have been provided to us as we, um, as, as we consider this Christmas story uh, again. Um, now, I know that a lot of us in the room have heard it over and over and over, but I want to just refresh a little bit the state of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of the place and the people that were involved in his entrance. Now, think for a minute about God in his glory and the, just the magnitude of being the creator of the whole universe. Last night, we went to the planetarium with our kids. Uh, my wife has like 10 things that she says we have to do with them while they're here. And I believe we're on number two. So we got a long way to go. Uh, but one of them was to spend an hour in the Youngstown uh, Beecher Planetarium. I don't know if you've ever been up there or not, but they had a, a star show that was Christmas-themed. And it certainly was very interesting and a lot of fun. Uh, and one of the things that they did was just highlighted uh, different galaxies that had... Uh, that were comprised of uh, stars and planets and things that would um, show uh, just how vast uh, space truly is. And as I'm looking at these different galaxies, they have names for each of them. And did you know at the very heart of our own galaxy, as astronomers have looked carefully at the detail of it, if you look at it from the right angle, you see depicted in the middle of it um, a, a formation that, oddly enough, looks like a cross. And it's, I think, perhaps God's way of saying, at the very center of everything is my son. And everything flows from his presence and his creativity and, and, and his character. It is all in him and through him and by him. And if you take the majesty of the mind-boggling extent that Jesus is who he is, and then you reduce all of that down to a child, and you would think that if this child came into the world, he would be somebody who would uh, be touted by uh, the very elite of all people. It would be uh, something that, uh, you know, if there was Twitter, there would be a ha hashtag Jesus has come to earth. Uh, if it was, um, uh, you know, somebody in, a, in another period of time, there would be a royal procession with um, dignitaries front and back leading the way. But isn't it odd that someone who has such magnanimous person and character is born to a blue-collar couple who have really not too much to offer as far as uh, the place that they can provide for his upbringing, it's pretty austere, if you can recall, if you ever 
been married, you know just how people would give you advice, like two people can starve as cheaply as one, and stuff like that. That's really sort of where they were at. And if you consider just how the things that they faced were kind of upsetting to the process of just getting on with life, Mary has said, you're going to have a baby, and he's going to be fully God and fully man, which uh, I'm sure uh, her expression in her song was a way of just trying to, to express back to God, this is overwhelming. And Joseph is told that his wife-to-be, who is pregnant, is not somebody who is a person of bad character, a person that would be sketchy by the, the, the definition of those who even hang out at the pool hall in Nazareth, but rather she is someone to, to, to behold and to love and to care for. And just looking at the situation, you're saying this just isn't quite right for God to do this. And then the people that were associated with, um, with, with their larger circle, that beginning with shepherds that ran like the choir just sang and had this sense of even us, of all people. And can you imagine just going back to the family for a second, changing the diapers of God? Can you imagine Joseph as a father trying to help instruct and mentor his son in a trade who is God himself and telling him adages of, of, of the trade, um, like uh, maybe even saying something sort of uh, uh, to, that you'd say to a novice, like, you know, go in the other room and get the board stretcher or you know, measure once and, and cut twice, not cut twice and measure, you know, three times, but you know the rule. And if you can just see that unfold in just all the normal circumstances of life, perhaps a picture is starting to come to light of just where God is at with you and I. Because I, I don't know about you, but there are plenty of times when I feel like God is not real close where the things that I'm going through right now are painful. And you wonder, is, is he even interested in what I'm experiencing, let alone uh, does he have any desire to come close? And I hope that you take this picture of how Jesus comes close to you and I this, this Christmas. Because as you just take the austere circumstances that are described in, 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 in these writings. And you pair them up with the magnitude of who he is as described in John. You find that a great God loves even the lowliest. And if you see the story from a, a little bit farther back, you know that in time, very wealthy people start assembling some of which bring gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, understanding as they were intellectually of how all of these components somehow played a role in providing this dignitary what he needed. Gold for travel perhaps to, well, who knows where? Egypt perhaps? Maybe it was gold that extended uh, their, their, their stay there uh, and sustained them long enough so that they would have enough for a return trip. Maybe the frankincense was just exactly what they needed for healing. 
And as, um, as God is our healer, you see in these beautiful um, gifts, qualities, gold for dignitaries and frankincense for the, the healer of the, of the nations and myrrh, which is offered to a baby during that time of, of, um, of their life experience here. And these are wealthy people coming from Persia. And if you look at the three classes of people that I just mentioned, you have Mary and Joseph who are kind of middle class. You have the shepherds that are kind of at the bottom rung. Maybe went to, you know, vocational school at best in sheep herding, and that was the extent of their ambitions. And then you had finally the wealthy people from the east. And all of them, God was saying, I want to come close to each of you, wherever you're at in life. And as God is looking at us, he knows that we're wondering, are you really there? Do you really care? As, um, as the story unfolds, great, now I've got to enter my password. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I wonder. Uh, you know, I was going through this whole ordeal of trying to keep up with my life, and God whispered to me this morning, and he said, don't forget about me. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm so busy doing what I'm doing that I, I forget about you because God also kind of whispered to me because I haven't forgotten about you. And isn't that good to know that what those three groups of people experienced carries over through time and space to this moment where we know that God hasn't forgot about us. And the shepherds, whenever they heard, they went and told the good news. But the reality is, as we're going into Christmas and we're thinking, is there good news to be heard? Some of us may be really in a state of worry. I, I think about my daughter who's graduating from college, and I know there are many like her who are wondering, will I a year from now be staying at my parents' house, maybe in their basement, because of the job market. And those worries loom, and then there are those who are there who are saying, I, I'm just not sure where this is going to wind up at. And then there are others I know who, unfortunately, have taken a loved one and said, I have to let you go. And off to the Lord to be with him forever, they go, and yet we remain, and we feel each day the pangs of loneliness realizing that all the Christmases that we've had up to now are just a reminder of how much pain that I'm experiencing as a result of that chapter coming to an end. And just the others in the group who, as we're looking at life and we're saying, you know, I just have so many things that I have to get done, and I don't know that I can get it all done. And in the process... I don't even do it all to perfection. And the shame and the guilt begins to erode us a little bit. And they were wondering, is God really there? Does he care? Does he make a difference in all of that? And what Jesus wanted to help us realize is that when I've come into this world, I've come to offer 
the greatest gift for your greatest need. And, well, you know how gifts are. We, we see them in a box. And maybe you've, you've had this experience. Um, you, 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 you wanted a, a piece of technology, maybe like I have, like a, like a, like a computer or a, a phone or something. And you said, with little hints, uh, you know, I'd really like to have, you know, the new iPhone 7 Plus or, you know, the, um, the, the, the latest um, whatever technological gadget that um, fuels the male imagination. And then there it appears, the box. That if you look at the dimensions carefully, they correspond exactly to that new phone that you were hinting about, sometimes subtly, sometimes overtly, but you know they got the point. And then when you open it up, oh my goodness, nose hair trimmers. Awesome. And inside you're just dying for a lot of reasons. And your wife is having that same moment. She's looking at what you've offered her. And she sees that it's, it's small. It's, it's in an envelope. So it has to be either, you know, like a, a, a massage at, at, at Casals or something like that. Or, you know, something that would just work towards relaxation and beautification. Or maybe it's a trip on a cruise. And when she opens it up, she discovers that it's a gym membership. And that has a lot of consequences that maybe aren't intended, but will definitely not work in your favor. And so the disappointment sort of reigns, as well as the anger and the confusion. And maybe when it comes to the greatest gift of all, you've said, yeah, it, it, it isn't exactly what I'd hoped for. But I want to assure you that the gift that Jesus is, is exactly what you've hoped for. In the way that he comes into our lives, your life and mine, it isn't always in the way that we, we imagine. It isn't always in the way that we anticipate. And yet if you look in hindsight, you can see how perhaps at every turn, even like myself, as Jesus has come in, things have changed. I can remember my pastor, uh, Bill Stark, saying, I want you to go to Bible college. And I can remember telling my mom, I'd like to go to Bible college. And I can remember her saying, I'm not sure if we got the money for that right now, because it was uh, in the wake of um, a, a bad recession. And then I wondered through the course of the summer whether or not it would occur. And then all of a sudden, church kicked in. Some grants kicked in. Some things that made all the difference in the world. Coupled with the opportunity to preach on the weekends, it seems like God said, I'll provide for you just enough. And he did. And through the course of just life unfolding, getting to my senior year and thinking, what am I going to be doing after that? And, and um, thinking, am I going to be alone? And then God offers... Uh, uh, me something that I didn't deserve and that's a, a wife that um, who uh, 
uh, has so many wonderful qualities that uh, make, has made life joyful in, in ways that I can't imagine. And painful as she's trying to bring me up to speed on things. But all that said, everything works together for good. I don't know if you look at your life carefully and you trace back how things have unfolded, both good and bad. How when the bad happens, you wonder, God, are you there? But then all of a sudden, he offers something good. This morning, it was kind of funny. I just needed to open up my Microsoft Word document. But I didn't have Microsoft Word because the whole thing is just imploded. And so I got a, a subscription for Microsoft for a new program. And I came in this morning early and I thought, it's only 1.5 gigabytes. How long can that take before I can get my documents open for the congregational meeting and for all these things that are going on? And just for my own mind as I'm looking at the day ahead. And I log on. We got high-speed internet here that's very fast. But for some reason, the Microsoft servers this morning weren't moving very fast. And it told me at 6 o'clock that I might have my program by 8 o'clock. I'm like, I've got to open up these documents before 8 o'clock. Well, mercifully, at 7.45, I could open them up. And I was able to get done what I needed to get done. And God said, relax. Everything that you need to know, you've already been working on anyway. And I'll help you bring it to mind. Because I've come into this world, not only for you, because I love you so much, but for everyone on the planet to express that love in the most profound way through the most humiliating circumstances to display to you just how important you are. And if you read Luke 15, you see just how important God says we are. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Well, I've lost a computer this week. I've lost a wallet. I've lost um, my family at one point. Uh, my phone broke. I've lost all this stuff. But the fact of the matter is, it's not as profoundly important as losing someone, as God sees lo losing someone. And I just want to close this out with a thought. As people look at churches and how we can grow, they, they, they do a lot of stats. And one of the stats is, chances are if you invite somebody to church on any given week, you'll you'll get an 18% success rate. That is, one-fifth of the people will say, yeah, I'd love to come to church, which isn't even bad in and of itself. But did you know the one time in the course of the year that people are invited to church that the response is overwhelming? That it's almost 50%. And that's when people invite other people to a Christmas Eve service. And so I know a lot of you are thinking that's coming up pretty soon. God may be saying there are windows of opportunity and then there are windows where the opportunity isn't so strong. And maybe God is putting into your heart 
someone that you see that is lost and he's saying there's a good possibility they may say yes to come into worship on Christmas Eve. And as God has done everything that he possibly could to reveal just how much he loves us and how much he wants to save us and how much he wants to come close to us, how much more is it for us to take an extra step and say, God, this person here and this person here who you've put on my heart that has really no connection with you, but I know needs a connection with you, give me the courage this week just to ask a simple question. Would you mind joining us for worship next Saturday night? And if you do, maybe that great gift, that greatest gift of all, can be that person's gift this Christmas. And if there's anything that all the stuff that we do is a signpost towards, I believe it's that. Let's close with, um, with, our, with our hymn of invitation. And as we do, I'd like for you to just think about maybe how God is working in your life to draw you close as he's come close to you. Or perhaps if you feel like, yeah, I, I'm already uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a very good relationship with him. Maybe God is saying, okay, I want to bring some people to mind in the next few days. And I want you to just have the courage that I'm giving you to say, would you like to come to church with me?